When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Seems like the basis for a sitcom. Mackey and Judd. Why not? On 1500 ESPN. The one thing I, I love you know, about games is that people say, we could have did this, could have did that, should have done this, should have done that. We are exactly where we are. That's the reality. Whether people want to ignore that or talk about years past or talk about this or that, we are exactly where we are. And I'm hired to fix it. And we'll fix it. Recruiting, development. Strength and conditioning, that's what we'll do within our program. The guys that stay will be champions. So uh, you and I, Judd, spent the first hour basically just ranting. You ranting about the wild and then both of us ranting together about the gopher football, the fans who want, or even the boosters. I I, I received a letter that was sent to the board, and it's from a high-profile former player and a guy who has influence, and, you know, I'll leave it at that. And he says, just to sum it up, basically, why would you fire a coach making a million dollars who went nine and four for a guy who makes three and a half million who went five and seven, which is the most elementary, basic, ridiculous logic that prevents the gophers and it prevents everyone from thinking about the things that are important. If you're if you're just gonna go nickel and dime line by line and be worried about, well, they didn't have the attendance didn't go up, so why okay, that's such flat line. Level one thinking, and mm-hmm. it drives me nuts. Dave, we got to, we'll take some phone calls on this too. If you think PJ Fleck is the right guy, the wrong guy for this job, 651 646 8255. What was the off air call that you got earlier today? Yeah, it was back when we were having that discussion. Uh, fellow uh, calling you out specifically, Phil, for your bias, for your lack of being able to see both sides because you are the co host of the PJ Fleck show. Yeah. I wish. You're home of Golden Go for football? Did, <laughs> I, did I miss the memo? I, I, I corrected him. I told him, no, actually, he doesn't host a PJ Flex show. He did used to host the Richard Patino show, Yep, but he doesn't do that anymore either. Yeah. <laughs> My guess is that guy probably wanted Patino fired a couple years ago now, too. Oh, and they're ranked 12th and about to play Miami in one of the biggest matchups of the year so far in college basketball. And you're, but that's fine. And you are more pro-Fleck than I am, but I still think the entire conversation revolving around Fleck misses all the points. I think it misses all of the all of the points for why you air, why you are where you are today. Go back to things well beyond Fleck. I mean, I don't care who the coach was. Who was going to come in here and win? Who was going to come in here? When you look at the the losses on defense, when you look at the quarterbacks who were left, by the way, by an, an offensive coach, when you look at this team, who was going to take this job and win immediately? Win eight games, nine games. The only the place where I'll place blame on us is this. I don't think we saw how bad it was going to be. I thought... 
I thought they'll be okay. I was 100% wrong. That secondary was wiped out. Your quarterbacks were unplayable. Mm-hmm. Mitch Leidner was all-conference compared to this. He was borderline unplayable as well. Yes, and, it, but, and you went down from that this but my, season. But I guess my, my question to people is, ultimately, having seen the product for a year now, what did you expect? Because yeah. I look back and say I shouldn't. I shouldn't have expected that much. So this was bad. They they definitely should have won the Purdue and Maryland games. And if they win those games, now the season looks it just looks better, right? Now it would it would be four wins in conference, and you'd have you'd have a flipped around record of seven and five going to a bowl game instead. And so it just it if you would have pulled off those games that you had a great chance to late fourth quarter, the season would feel a lot different. But things to remember, Jerry Kill won three games his first year here. Jerry Kill went two and six in conference his first two years here. Um, So many key players transferred or were expelled from the program and or got injured this season. And so, yeah, there's things you can nitpick for sure. Yeah, there's like a timeout here or there or, uh, you know, whatever it might be schematically that I'm sure you can nitpick. But ultimately, with a college football coach or any leader of – of a of a new push forward. I want energy, I want enthusiasm, I want a plan of action, I want accountability, I want a grand vision. PJ Flight gives you those things. He recruits like a madman. I think you have to give him time to build something like like Richard Patino did. And I just I hate the people who compare to Tracy Clay's winning 9 games last year as if that's any kind of a fair apples to apples comparison. You want to know what would have happened for all of you Tracy Clay's thumpers? If Clay's would have kept that job, let's say they give him some kind of a minimum contract extension for a couple years, whatever it well, is. he still like, had two years left, right? But let's say they extend him, you know, and, and he's the guy, okay? Yep. Tracy Clay's would have won five, six, seven games, probably the same. They'd probably go five and seven or something because he doesn't have a quarterback. And there's still players who are going to get expelled like there were, you know, for P.J. Fleck. And guess what we'd be saying? Wow, why can't the Kill Clays regime find a quarterback? Let's fire him and find someone who can. And then you would just be doing the same thing anyway. And I don't I don't think that, that Clays has a, a lot of, of uh, supporters out there. I think this comes down to, and I get this, this comes down to frustration. And you know what? If you're a Gopher fan, you should be frustra- frustrated because it's difficult. But all that being said, if you want to just lump this on the coach, it's not going to work that way. You can't lump everything on the coach. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Hey Josh. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Um, hey Josh. My freshman year at the University of Minnesota was the year that we got Tubby Smith and Tim Brewster. So I've been dealing with this all my life. Uh, you know, Flex might not be the perfect guy, but we're Minnesota. We have to go for broke. And I think by making PJ Flex be our coach, he's the guy who gives you a chance to jump out of this kind of middling five to seven wins every year for Minnesota. So it might not work, but I think you got to take that chance. We're never going to get a Dan Mullen or a Mark Rick or a Chip Kelly, right? We're Minnesota. But you can get a young guy who did well at Western Michigan, right? He supposedly can recruit, and I think that's really what we need as being the University of Minnesota. Yeah, I agree with everything Josh just said. And don't forget, in fact, too. I think he is the perfect guy because of all those things. And don't forget, too, Jerry Kill was your sixth choice at the time. You went through five candidates who all basically said no. So you, I don't think he was even on your short. I don't think he was on your so, list of six when that process began. So this is not a job now or then that, that you can go cherry pick for. This is a job where and and where I will give Mark Coyle credit is to me. This is a creative hire. 
This is going in a different direction. It might not work. I have no clue. But it's a creative way to find a coach who is very different in some ways, who has the chance to attract 18 and 19-year-old kids. And guess what? If um, if uh, a few 62-year-old fans drop off, okay, that's life. But if you can find a way for kids to say, you know what, that looks cool. You have to recruit kids to a school where your where your lack of success is used against you in recruiting all the time. You've got to recruit kids to a campus that's a great campus, mm-hmm. but you also have to tell them you need to go to school here year-round, basically. So we need you here December, January, February. Mm-hmm. So if you're recruiting against anyone else, they're like, you are stuck in Minneapolis. Yeah. So there are a lot of things here that if you're a coach, you do not look at this program right now and say, that looks like a great opportunity. You say there are obstacles. How do you overcome the obstacles? You know, I was watching a uh, nerd alert here. I was watching the CNN, one of these late nights when we were off the last few days. CNN ran this 90s documentary where they just showed it was hour-long episodes, uh-huh. music in the 90s, and then whatever in the 90s, and politics in the 90s, and and uh, technology in the 90s was very interesting because if you remember, Steve Jobs got bounced out of Apple, and then Apple was rumored to maybe be going belly up in the mid-1990s without Steve Jobs. So this is apples to oranges and that it's not sports, and that Apple was once a, a powerhouse as recently as the 80s before the fall off in the 90s. The Gophers last time they were a powerhouse was the 60s, so yep. you had to go back even further. But what did Apple do? They didn't say, "Let's bring in let's bring in someone who just wants to put his head down and do good work and not be boisterous. And let's just let's just roll up our sleeves and be quiet and not be heard." No, Steve Jobs came in and was brash the second time. Was brash, came up with innovative color-splashed products. Those new Apple computers that you saw, those little MacBooks in the early 2000s, the iPod, let's come up, let's be innovative, let's be splashy, let's be brash, and let's get noticed again. We're getting smoked over here by Microsoft. We're getting smoked over here by these other companies, by Nokia in the phone game in the early 2000s. Let's be brash and let's sort of, let's fake it till we make it again. Now you have to have substance eventually, your product can't suck, and and that's going to be the ultimate test for PJ Fleck, but... For everyone complaining, oh, he's just, he needs to just be quiet. That's the worst thing he can do is just be quiet. You have to tell people why this should be a prime spot for college football to live. If you're a player, if you're a coach, recruit. Make it cool. And that's what he's trying to do. And anyone who's trying to put up roadblocks by being Debbie Downer, you know, low-key, upper Midwestern, no, let's, we need to be, let's, let's try to calm this personality down. That's wrong. That's not that's not going to lead to success. And there's no guarantee that P.J. Fleck will pay off all these promises. But I can tell you, if you already think after one year that he's the wrong guy, you're clueless. You're clueless. I'm telling you, I really, I really truly believe that a lot of this is born from the fact that something always goes wrong. And people are to a point now. One, once again, I think the I think the Jerry Kill years led you to at least believe okay, we're back to being respectable again. Go for football fans, and I get it, are so tired of the cliff. They're so tired of going off that cliff. You know, Mason had, Mason had you stable. It wasn't great. It was some awful meltdowns. But for the most part, you were a bowl team and you were stabilized. So you're saying to yourself, okay, this works. And then they say, no, 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 this isn't working. We're going to take the next step. 
So you're like, okay, cool. Let's see. Tim Brewster, off the cliff, totally off the cliff. Jerry Kill comes in, gets you back up. Okay, you're stabilized, right? You're going to bowl games. You were bad for a year or so, and then you started to turn things around, and it looks like it's going to be stable, and then he has to retire. And now you got Clay's. And you're saying to yourself, okay, you won nine games, though, and then it all goes wrong again, off the cliff. I think what people are so tired of, and I get that, they're so tired of getting to the edge of the cliff, and they're always getting pushed off it. Some of it's self-inflicted as well. Sure it is. Uh, 651-646-8255. I mean, like, as fans even. 877-615-1500. Mackie and Judd. I know part two of a Judd Wild rant is coming up here very shortly. Uh, some twins, juicy rumors and reports to get to Mackie and Judd. Let's get back. Mackie and Judd are back on fifteen hundred ESPN. All right, let's take uh, let's take one more call on this PJ Fleck discussion that we've been having here. Sure. A ton of feedback on social media. Uh, real quick here, ZoneBlitz.com. Our guys at ZoneBlitz.com. Mackie, I'm not much of a flat guy. The rah rah makes me crazy, and I hate that. Like, what do I? Like, why? Because he, he's rah rah. Who cares? Uh, but he's here. I hope he wins, and he deserves more than a year to try and turn this around. Getting rid of him now would be ridiculous. Frank chimes in on Twitter with people getting mad after one season. Here are the records for two first-year coaches at USC, Pete Carroll, 6-6, six and six, and Alabama, Nick Saban, 7-6. and six. Pretty sure waiting on a coach is the okay thing to do. Now, that doesn't mean that P.J. Fleck will also be Nick Saban or of course Pete not. Carroll, but yes. The, the raw, raw stuff... I don't embrace, but it's not it's not going to win or lose you games right now. Like, if you're upset about this year, which is fine, you're not upset about his demeanor. He could be boring. He could be excitable. He didn't win or lose games based on that. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, ultimately, if his personality drives you crazy, if he eventually wins, you're going to tune it out. And if he doesn't, you're not. But that's not going to be the difference, I don't think, at all, between, oh my God, he won all these games because he was rah-rah, or he didn't. There's so many different variables at work here. 651-646-8255. Roderick, what's going on, man? Hey, I just wanted to kind of echo that last uh, email you just read, that I agree that most people should give, or everybody really should give P.J. Fleck at least four years. I think every coach should get four years to put in their system and get their recruits in and then evaluate how they're doing. And so trying to fire him after one year is just ridiculous. Having said that, though, I am also not a fan of the rah-rah because I think all of that Tony Robbins-type talk, only simple-minded people fall for that stuff. If you're 18 or 20 or college age, then you're kind of more simple-minded, and I can understand being attracted to that. When I was in that age, I was probably more attracted to to that than I am now. And my advice for P.J. Fleck is to kind of know your audience when you come out with that stuff after, I think it was Illinois, they beat Illinois. And he said something to the effect of, you know, a win like that, a performance like that makes you want to change your life. And I wanted to throw something at the television. <laughs> it's like, dude, you guys are a losing record. You can't continue to talk Tony Robbins if you're 0-8 or, or having a terrible season. Like Judd just said, if we're winning, if we're beating Wisconsin or Iowa and we're you know, competing for the division title, maybe even a conference title, then we will accept all of that stupid, silly stuff. But if we're losing and losing as bad as we are, when you get in front of the media where mostly adults are going to be watching you, know that your audience who's going to watch this is not going to accept it. When you go on recruiting trips, 
talk all the Tony Robbins stuff you want to. When you're on the documentary on ESPNU, talk all that Tony Robbins stuff because the audience is directed toward the kids. But if you're in a press conference at the end of a game, most of the time adults are going to be watching that and they want to know the X's and O's, not some little speech about, you know, we were in the now, we were in the past, now we're in the now and blah, blah, blah. Stop with that simple-minded stuff. We're not four years old. And people who believe that, I think, are just kind of a little gullible. And you should know your audience and not do that. But I mean, having said all that, you should be there for at least four years. In fairness, Roderick, it's a good phone call. In fairness, Tony Robbins became a billionaire off of, quote-unquote, simple-minded people, which I wouldn't call people who want to improve their lives simple-minded. But mm-hmm. I get what he's saying, that you know, there's going to be a message for players that might be different than the message to media, to fans. What I get, I get it, but um, and I, I will defend Fleck on this. At times, at times he goes way too far, but I've told you, you this before. Part of the mentality of successful athletes and of people who are are wired like he wants is the ability to suspend belief. Like I look at this team and I'm like, you got no shot. Your quarterback stinks. Your offensive line's a mess, and I can go down a list of of reasons why you can't win. Athletes don't think like that. P.J. Fleck is talking to young athletes who he wants to, beyond a shadow of a doubt, convince that they are going to be successful as soon as possible, okay? And I've told you this. I mean, I've talked to players before, and I'm like, what What are you talking about? And it took me a while to realize that part of the reason why they're successful is how they're wired. So he's, he's appealing to that. Roderick, me, Harrigan, possibly you, listen to this stuff and say, Really? Athletes don't think that way. A lot of a lot of guys hear that and think, oh, no, see, no, there think, is a chance. But I think you're even a little off the mark on that because if your goal is to take an underdog organization of some kind and get that group to overachieve or to climb a mountain of some kind, you have to think beyond the current reality. You have to. You have to have That's what I'm saying. a vision of what That's you want point. to accomplish. Yes. And so to say that what he's preaching is unrealistic and that it's like a suspended reality, that's not true. I'm saying that's how that's how I perceive it. But how I perceive it's not important to him. He is not when, – when he gets up at a press conference, he is not looking at Judd Zolgad and saying, what can I say to best appeal to Judd? He is looking at that room and thinking, what can I say to best appeal to anyone who might potentially play for this program or the guys that already are in the program? Yeah. Uh, Steve, you're on with Mackie and Judd. Hi, guys. Um, I'm an Iowa grad, and we've had two head coaches in 40 years. Um, I don't know what 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 are what are you guys's what are your what are you, what are your opinions of uh, the Iowa program and having a coach? Kurt Ferentz has been there now 19 years. Mm-hmm. He's had his ups and his downs. He had a 12-0 season in 2015, and what do they do? They extend his contract for another six years. Mm-hmm. Um, so Iowa has ups and downs. Um, there's a lot of parity. And, you know, Iowa fans debate, uh, could we do better? Uh, I, I think what... I think I get the gist of Steve's question uh, from an he's asking kind of a two angled question there from an Iowa standpoint. Once every handful of years, Iowa pops up and plays in a Rose Bowl, uh, an Orange Bowl. That's kind of I think Iowa and Kirk Ferentz. I think they're maxing out their potential in a lot of ways by by once every few years 
You're you're going to beat Wisconsin once in a while. You're going to compete Rose Bowls once in a while. You're going to win double digit games as Ferentz has five times in you know once every right. four years. And or we so. would take it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Exactly. And part of the reason why the Gophers fire so many coaches is because yep. they have Iowa and Wisconsin envy, rightfully so. Yeah. That you should want to compete on that level. Now, that doesn't mean that you should be recycling every like if you someone called in earlier and said. Well, one reason why you shouldn't be down on Fleck this early is because if you fire a coach again after one year, which is what happened with Tracy Clays, who was yep. an interim, what does that say to any credible coach who wants to come in here? So, two words: institutional stability. Yeah, that's what the the Hawkeyes aren't always good, but guess what? They're stable. That's what I'm saying. Is that's why I don't want 47 people going to Mark Coyle to tell Mark Coyle what he should do. I want to pick people that you can trust, and I want them to run the programs. Because I, I contend a big part of the problem at this school has been way too many people want to say. And when you're listening to 45 people trying to give you their opinions, you are going to, it's going to become a mess. If you listen to a group of people who have been there for a long time that you can trust, guess what? You have stability. This program, the most important word is stability. This program has lacked it. Some of it's its own doing, some of it's bad luck, but for whatever reason, it's been missing. What you need to do here is you picked a coach, you need to now be able to stick with that coach, and you need to not be every year fearing, oh my gosh, he might be successful, he might leave. What you need to be doing is saying, how do we stabilize a football program that hasn't been for years and years as much as possible, and then and then you can ask, how can we be successful? And if Jerry Kill had stayed healthy enough to remain head coach of the football team, which is a huge if, like he's he clearly, it's just not in his DNA to be able to 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 put in the work that he needs to put in and stay healthy. But I think he'd still be the coach. I think he'd be the coach for as long as he wants to be and I think the Gophers would be a lot more like Iowa where they're going 5 and 3 in conference, 4 and 4, you know. They're going to have some down years. Can't panic in the down years. Know who you are as a program. You're not going to get five-star guys on a regular basis to go to Iowa, to go to Wisconsin, to go to Minnesota. Wisconsin gets some four-star guys, but mostly they just have a great system and infrastructure. And they're so honed after 20 years that it works. And the Gophers should aspire to be that. Let's come back and let's talk Twins rumors. There's some juicy stuff out there about the Twins and big name free agents. Mackie and Judd and another, a part two to Judd's wild rant before the end of the hour. And uh, then Matthew Collar to talk Vikings at noon. You know, Luther Brookdale Toyota right on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. They've got the brand new 2018 models all over the lot. The 2018 Camry is the one that I am the most curious about. Now, I am in the middle of a lease, a three-year lease on a 2016 Corolla, which uh, has reverse cam and Entune and all kinds of technological bells and whistles. The 2018 models are taking even another step up. How about pre-collision system with pedestrian detection? We're talking about an in-vehicle camera and radar to help detect a vehicle or a pedestrian in front of you with the pre-collision system, PCS, with pedestrian detection. They are stepping up their game on the uh, the inside with technology. The external is an upgrade, too, with the 2018 Camry. It looks much more sporty and even more sleek than in years past. So check it out. Go to Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard, and ask my friends in that showroom area for the full tour of the brand new Camry. It's Mackie and Judd.
Phil Mackey. First of all, you're wrong about Bundy. Bill, you're wrong about Bundy. No. Judd Zolgad. Judd freaking Zolgad. <laughs> He's a problem. attitude gets destroyed. Everything of our sports culture. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Yeah, there's some juicy stuff out there right now involving the Minnesota Twins. This is a, a big deviation from the Terry Ryan regime, which mostly just went after the Kevin Correas in the offseason. You know, splash with Irvin Santana there at the end. But Derek Wetmore is here, 1500ESPN.com, and the Touch Em All podcast. So the Twins are in on, and this is this is Thad Levine. On the record, MLB Network, MLB Radio, and this isn't like sourced. This is Thad Levine saying, we are all in for Shohei Otani, and we're making a push for you, Darvish. So what do you make of the Twins being in on Shohei Otani, this, the the Japanese Babe Ruth? He can hit, he can pitch, he can throw 100 miles an hour, and being one of six teams that are very much in on you, Darvish. My big picture take is that it's fascinating. The Twins being one of the most interesting teams of the winter is not something we're used to seeing. With that being said, I'm curious to see, are they big talkers or are they big movers? Are they actually going to make some of these pursuits? Some of that's outside their control. Does you, Darvish, want to pitch in Minnesota? Would Shohei Otani and his representatives choose uh, the Midwest and Minnesota? I don't have any of these answers, and I don't think that the Twins do either, but I'm very fascinated that they're plowing ahead on not only those two fronts, but multiple other big-name pitchers, possibly talking about some trades as a possibility. And I think it's the right play. I don't think that the Twins should go into this offseason hoping to just sit back, ride the crest of their 26-win uh, improvement and be an 85-86 win team again next year and think that's good enough to get to the postseason. I think now's the time to add. I'll be fascinated to see how they go about doing that. This has the potential, gentlemen, to blow up one of the longest-held beliefs sports-wise in this town, too. Sure, yeah. If, if the Twins, if you if you think about the stereotypes, right, in this town sports-wise, go for football stinks. Well, that's still true. But if you think about the stereotypes that we've had in this town when it comes to certain franchises and what they're going to do, one of the oldest, going back to Calvin, was Twins are cheap. The Twins, and that, that was true for a long time. And then I think it changed in that they weren't nearly as cheap as we thought, but they still operated like it. If these guys go and aggressively pursue a couple guys or even one guy and right. sign them and sign them in the first wave, it's going to blow up one thing that we have believed forever, which is the poll ads won't spend a dime. It's crazy because Otani won't actually cost them that much money, but winning that bidding war is probably harder than if you're just winning a bidding war for, let's say, Jake Arrieta. So what are the so to that point? Because yeah. it's not like when you Darvish became available to U.S. teams, and because he was a certain age and the posting system was different, it was it was like a twenty million dollar posting fee, and then you offer him a huge contract with Shohei Otani because he's under the certain age cutoff. It's like. Three and a half million is the most any team can offer because you're using this capped amount of international spending money. Right. And then it's $500,000-ish in base salaries for some number of years. So it's not really about outbidding another team, but what are the ways in which you could make your franchise stand out, I guess? So here's where it's weird. Financially, it gets weird. Now, I don't know if you guys saw the report. Um, Otani's representatives have basically given a checklist to teams and said, hey, fill out this questionnaire. Of 17, do you like me? Check yes or no. Well, what <laughs> I is, saw this. Yes this a is lot. a great story. That's really on there. <laughs> you, We're in love with you. Right. We think you're a great pitcher, a great hitter. Do you like me? Yes. Yes a lot or yes more than everyone. <laughs> Might not get that questionnaire back. I think that if you look at just the financial details, this is already fascinating. 
but it's clear that it's going to go beyond that. So here, here are the quick rules and why I think the Twins actually have a chance to sign Shohei Otani. The rules are as uh, they're the old system. So if you're under the age of 25 international player, teams are capped at how much money they can spend on that type of player each year. The team with the most money left is the Rangers. They have roughly three and a half million, as do the Yankees. The Twins have about three and a quarter million. Now, that's all you can sign for the signing bonus. That's it. So that's an inconsequential difference between what the Rangers can spend and what the Twins can spend. Quarter million dollars for a guy who's going to make. But that's the signing bonus. Yes. Okay. So then he's just like any other major league rookie. He's, you know, he's like uh, uh, Max Kepler when he starts his big league career. All right. Three years of pre-arbitration rookie level salary, basically not making that much money. Three years of arbitration raises and then free agency. But where it gets really hairy and weird and baseball is going to have to step in here is what's to stop a team like the Dodgers from coming in and saying, okay, signing bonus, million dollars, rookie salary, $500,000, next winter, $150 million contract, congratulations on your new extension. That's a very Which weird... Which you could do with any rookie. Very real you scenario. You with Buxton right now. You if could you wanted. sign Byron Buxton to a 10-year contract if he wanted to today. You could do the same thing with this Otani kid, and that's where it gets a little bit weird. But I think if you're looking at the Twins... In terms of financial viability, they're yeah. probably not going to win that bidding war. But this bidding war is capped, and it's going to come down to other factors like fit, team, how they're going to use him, teammates, cultural assim- assimilation into the city. All these kinds of factors yeah. that go way beyond the bottom line, which makes this super fascinating to me. So if you did that with Buxton right now, though, and you're the Twins, he's yours, and you go talk extension, yeah. can you, and, and I'm not saying that this this wouldn't take place, I'm sure it would, but can you legally do a wink-wink deal with him saying in one year, you're not ours right now, but if yeah. you become ours, we'll give we'll give you this huge extension. Is that something that you can legally do? No. The Associated Press reported when they when they published the list of bonus cap money that every team had left, and the, the Twins were one of the top three teams on that, they said baseball has warned front offices against that sort of under-the-table Joe Smith, wink-wink, hey, We'll take care of you. So kind you could of get thing. in trouble for that because the Braves just got absolutely I was just annihilated. Say, and some people are like, "Well, you take that risk. You'd 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 run the risk for a guy like this." But you look at the punishment levied against the Braves. Different scenario, sure. but baseball very clearly making a statement with that, saying, "Hey, don't mess around. No funny business. Play this by the book." I don't know how they're going to enforce it. It's going to be next to impossible if the Cubs win the bidding, for example, and then he's got a two hundred million dollar contract next year. Well, I don't know how you'd enforce that, how you'd police that system, but baseball has said, don't come out and do this under the table stuff. Play this straight. And and I don't know. Uh, it, it, it's one of the things that ratchets this up and makes a bid for a mysterious international superstar that much more interesting. Yeah, so the Twins, according to uh, the, you know, their own general manager who's on the record, and according to a lot of reports, the Twins are in on Otani. They're in on you, Darvish. What about Closer? What uh, what type of stuff is floating out there about the Twins and closer? It sounds like that's going to be a priority, that starting pitching is what they're trying to figure out first, and then uh, whether it's Wade Davis or I don't know who else uh, they'd be in on. But the winter meetings are coming up here in a couple weeks. So uh, what about closer for the Twins, Derek? I think that the Twins could go a couple of different ways. And I said a couple months ago that I don't think the 2018 closer is currently on the roster. I think the Twins Agreed. are either going to trade for a guy who's they were tied with Race Iglesias, the Reds closer, or like Alex Colomay and the uh, Tampa Bay's closer. Maybe you could make a trade for that, give up a lot of prospect ammo to get a deal like that done. Or you could sign a free agent, get a Wade Davis, 
a Greg Holland, or maybe that sort of next tier of relievers who are more like seventh, eighth inning guys. Um, you're talking your Jake McGee, Juan Nicasio, guys like that who are uh, Brandon Morrow would be in that list for me. Not an established closer, but a good reliever who you could add to the back of your bullpen. The third option, and I think least desirable, stand pat, let the bullpen roll over into next season. Maybe Trevor Hildenberg is your closer. Maybe Trevor Mays back in the relief mix or something like that. Uh, there was a piece by Sam Miller at ESPN the other day predicting the closers for September of next year for all 30 teams. <laughs> Basically just an exercise in futility saying, this is crazy. We're all just guessing. We have no idea. He guessed that uh, Alan Buznitz would be the hmm. Twins' September closer just because, like, hey, closers have disparate resumes. They all look different. There's no one form that a closer takes. Maybe that guy. He throws hard. So I think there are three options. If you're asking me the most likely option, it would just be free agency because that's the easiest way to acquire somebody. But they could go trade, they could go free agent, or they could go in-house. And any one of them, you could get a decent option. I just think the best option would be on the free agent market. Do you think Buxton gets a extension at no, some point in not the this coming winter. months? No, not this winter. Okay. If, only because Not because the Twins shouldn't be interested in it. If I'm Buxton, I have no... Like I'm, I'm handing over all the leverage at that point. I'm saying, no, that's fine. You decide my future earnings. Whereas if I'm Byron Buxton and his representatives right now, if you care about maximizing your earning potential, mm -hmm. you go prove it. You go play 2018, be a superstar all year. Then that price tag just went way up. You're yeah. a year closer to free agency. You've proven that it's not so much a fluke. Like some people maybe still think it could be. Sure. You're now a, a veritable superstar player a year closer to free agency. Those players get pretty expensive. Right now, Byron Buxton, for my money, I think he would have to settle if he were doing a long-term yeah, contract. There's a lot of potential candidates like that coming up. I mean, Jose Barrios at some point, he's not there yet because he's got a, I think there's another prove-it year on his side and maybe on the twin side. Sure. Eddie Rosario had a big breakout season, so how do you feel about him for the next five or six years? I've seen a lot of talk this offseason, guys, about, what you could do with those young players. I'd throw Max Kepler into that list, Jorge Polanco, Miguel Sano. Uh, and I've seen enough that I think it's not just idle speculation. It's not just we're bored in October and November, so we have to write something. I think that there's something there that the Twins could or should be interested in doing that. But I just look at every single case, and I don't think it makes any sense for the player. This is a, you got to remember, this is a two-way street. Does it make sense to get somebody on an Evan Longoria contract? So you can afford to put a good team around him? Well, yeah. But if Evan Longoria, in the Rays example, was looking to maximize his career earnings, he wouldn't have signed that first deal. So clearly that wasn't the final priority for him. I just look at every one of the Twins extension candidates and say, oh, he'd probably be better off waiting a year. Unless yeah. the Twins are going to blow them over with some big money. But I, I, I've seen the speculation. It makes sense from a Twins perspective. I look at it from a player's perspective and Say think, no. no way, not yeah. the time What's right now. What's amazing is the only guy among the group that we just talked about that put together a full season was Eddie Rosario, right? right. I mean, like, that was, they won 86 Which we all games. predicted in February, by exactly. the way. We should say, <laughs> we threw that yeah. out there. Hey, by the way, Young Ho Park, it's been nice knowing you. He uh, has foregone the last two years of his contract. He signed, right? With the Twins. He's he's back, back in the KBO. Yeah. yeah, that's the report. He yeah. said goodbye to the last two years and <laughs> and what eight million dollars? Six and a half, I think. Six six and a half with a buyout wow. or something like that's a lot of money to walk away from. But we didn't exactly predict that one in February. I was calling Byung Ho Park as kind of a sleeper candidate well, off the, the roster. And the spring training was fantastic. So why would what's the point of that? Unless you're just that homesick, why not take the money 
and go see what yeah. happens at AAA. Yeah, but counter argument here, just to play devil's advocate, you can play in Rochester and Scranton Wilkes Bar and bus around the upper northeast in the United States, or you can go be a superstar back with your former team where you won multiple MVP awards in a league that you know you can dominate. It's pride too, right? I, I can see the rationale for wanting to just go be a star rather than riding a bus to Pawtucket on a Friday Well, if you night. had pride, you'd probably it's, stick it out and try to get back to the major leagues. Yeah, right? but, but I mean, you, you got uh, basically put through and every team had the opportunity to grab you and everybody right. said no. Right. I, I think at some point in time, it's pretty clear... I'll go back and be a star where I was well, a star as opposed to, as you just said, kick around on a bus for six months or whatever If you want to be cynical about it, too, you had the best spring training you could possibly have in the Twins didn't add you back to the roster. Yeah. You could argue or perceive that you're being treated unfairly. Go somewhere where you know that that will not be the case. Fair or unfair, if that's the perception. Yeah. Mm. You know that you're going to be treated like a star with the Nexon Heroes. This also helps clarify the fact that, like Judd said, all 29 other teams passed on him and he just... For, he foregoes the millions of dollars right. to go back to to uh, the Korean baseball organization. Why the Twins are getting rid of and replacing a lot of their scouting systems from years past. So, yeah, I still think it was a good gamble. You guys are not going to like the column headed to fifteen hundred ESPN dot com later. Oh, it wasn't it was, a waste of that much money. Sure. It, it was a good gamble. It wasn't like they wasted gamble. fifty million. It's, it, look, they sat down at the roulette table and said yeah, black, except- and it came up red and. You're walking away from the deal at this Except point. Except the problem is too many things didn't work. That's the problem. Sure. If, if you miss on one, made who, a lot ca- of bets. who cares? Yeah, you lost a lot of cash at that you, table. You made a lot of bets. You probably stayed a lot longer than you should have. <laughs> Terry, Terry, you want to back away now? <laughs> Double down. Uh, you can find Derek Wetmore's stuff. He covers the Twins at 1500ESPN.com and also the Touch Em All Twins podcast where you can uh, join our community every week. We talk twins and uh, answer your questions. It's very interactive. If you send us tweets, we will usually get to them on the show. Let's come back. Judd promised part two of his wild rant when we come back. And then Matthew Collar on Vikings at noon. Phil Mackey. I'd call him a charming Boras. That's what I'd call him. Perfect. Perfect description. But he's a true gentleman. Oh, they all. Everybody loves him. Judd Zolgad. I think that he's sort of the Steve Bartman of the Twin Cities. Yes. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Save the date. 1500 ESPN's 7th Annual Sports Fantasy Auction is happening Tuesday, December 12th. Listen all day from 9 a.m. until 6 to purchase and bid on great experiences with all proceeds benefiting Courage Kenny Rehabilitation Institute. It's presented in part by Able Chiropractic and TCL. All the details at 1500ESPN.com. How much is this a product the last two nights of you guys being shorthanded as much as you were chasing the game, chasing the team you're playing? I don't want to, you know what, uh, I don't want to um, woe is me type thing uh, chasing the game. We're ahead of the game, you know, and uh, and uh, we should have been pretty excited about the way things things were, even after the first period when they got two goals. I thought, okay, we're right in this thing. And uh, then in the, I don't think we got a shot in the first 12 or 13 minutes in the second period, and they get two goals, and it's like, wow. You know, uh, you know it just uh, wasn't there. All right. So I ranted off the top of the show about the Wilds' performance last night. Yes, now it's, yes, you did. But what I didn't get to <laughs> is this. It's now time for my patented Fox Sports North rant of the day. And it's not Gorgie's question there. It's not the soundbite that you just played. Yes, Gorgie was trying to give Boods an out, and Boods didn't take it. And I'm proud of, of Boods for not doing so. Why does there need to be? Sorry, go ahead. But but uh, here's, the, the, but, but, but here's my rant. Here's my rant. 
My rant is this. Fox Sports North carries the Twins, they carry the Wolves, they carry the Wild. The Wolves people have this down pat. When the team is playing like Horace Bleep, you don't go after them viciously, but you point it out. You point it out and you talk about it. I'll give you three examples. Pacers, Pistons, Suns games. Wolves melted down and or played terrible the entire game. And in all three cases, Jim Pete gave us some honest analysis of what was going wrong. Mm-hmm. He didn't kill the team. He didn't kill players. But he but he, he was frustrated and told us that. That's yeah. all I want. Okay? Here's, here's what's happening. Yeah. Here's why it's not going. Here's what Carl yeah. Anthony Towns is doing wrong specifically. And therefore, they are not going to win this game. And they're playing poorly. Two FSN games so far this year. Boston and then last night. The Wild, and this is the Zolgad rule. If the Wild is playing so poorly that you know Boudreaux is going to go after them in the postgame, you then have the right to tell me what's going wrong. The rant of the day, the play of the day that got my ire up last night was my guy Greeny, Mike Greenley, attempting to tell us that when Jonas Brodeen scored an own goal, basically, so he deflected, so Blake Wheeler centered the puck, it went up Brodeen and into the net that Brodeen had actually made a good play, that that was the positioning was good, that things were fine, that Brodeen was attempting to, where Brodeen was is that he scored an own goal. It was, <laughs> I believe, 7-2 to two at that point. There's no Listen, ju- he's just trying to keep Stalock sharp, okay? Yeah, it, it, I agree with exactly, Greenlee. I thought okay, it was, yes. I thought I thought it was brilliant. Yes. It was, it was, it was beyond what you can comprehend. I'm Honest sorry, Judd. to God. And, and, and I feel for these guys because they are clearly, LaPanta and Greenlee and everyone on that telecast has, has been told by somebody, if things go wrong, just sort of shut up. Because Greenlee, I noticed, was very quiet for a good portion of the third period last night. And I think he just basically felt, I can't say a damn thing. But when the puck goes off a wild player and past the wild goaltender into the wild goal, please don't tell me that Jonas Brodin made a nice play. Well, here's here's how I would deduce it. The Timberwolves are also a partner with FSN. So the wild, let's try to find the common denominator here. Absolutely. All right. So the Timberwolves announced team, especially Jim Peterson, has no problem being critical when it warrants it. But it almost feels like there's somebody from higher up pulling some strings when it comes to the wild sometimes. And I've heard that in years past as well. Mm -hmm. So if it's a Craig Leopold thing or somebody high up with the wild that's just concerned that, oh, my God, we don't want positive, positive, put a put some lipstick on it, fluffy bow. You are patronizing paying customers and viewers if that's the way you handle your media partner. If it's coming from the wild, and if you think putting a muzzle on truth, and we're not talking about taking the gloves off and no. you know going personal like a newspaper columnist would. No. We're just talking about telling us what's happening yes. as it's happening in an objective way. If teams are putting muzzles on broadcast partners... Shame on the teams. There is so I hope that's not the case, but it wouldn't shock me because I've heard things in the past. There is, I have as well, and there is no way that Mike Greenlake can watch that direct last night and have almost nothing to say, and as it gets worse, have less to say. There is no way he played hockey. He knows there is no way that he couldn't have told us three or four things in the third period about guys who weren't doing their job. The defense is terrible. Kyle Quincy had an all-time bad game last night and then got tossed. There is zero chance that Mike Greenlay, if he was being honest about it and could be candid, couldn't have told us what he was doing wrong, what the defense was doing wrong, which is all I want as a fan. But you're right. 
It is patronizing beyond belief when you declare yourself to be in the state of hockey to then tell those fans, <laughs> "Oh, there's no, re- there's nothing really wrong here." There and you know, and coming up on the post game show, the Wild lost by five, but Zucker was really fast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, there's no, there's no way anybody, there's, there is no way anybody with Fox Sports oh, North man. is truly that dumb. They're not. I've seen them. They're nice people. They're smart people. The, you know, coming up, Grandlin won a faceoff in the middle of the second period, so let's break that down while the team lost by 10 goals. And oh, by the way, at the end of the game, the head coach is going to rip his team because he's the only employee of the team allowed to rip them. So this is not, I'm not trying to dump on Fox Sports North, but I know the people in charge. And listen, you are doing nobody any favors by doing this. You're making your broadcasters look dumb. You're making the viewing experience, as you just said, you're talking down to people you shouldn't be talking down to. You lost by five goals and you played terrible. Tell me something about it. I don't expect you to start ripping into Ryan Suter's personal life. I don't even need that. I don't Coming care. up next, we talk about Jason Zucker's smile on the bench. I mean, they're, they're, look at those pearly whites. Yeah, they're seven to two. They're, they're teasing that you know, <laughs> becoming wild with Olaf Gustav Olafson or whatever last night. They're teasing it, and meanwhile, the poor kid's scoring own goals. <laughs> you know, bec- I, I don't think you realize how difficult the job is, Judd. Because when you're broadcasting a game, you need to make sure that everybody knows what's going on on the ice, whether it's on the ice or the bench, because that's where hockey's played. The mental game's on the bench versus the ice. That's the physical, but also a little mental. Audra? This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. 